be the new Emerge Chef. Otherwise, you'll all be eating haggis and overly boiled mince and plain potatoes with salt. That is Neil's dream meal, which I never cook him because I'm a bad wife. No, not true. Well, I'm so pleased to be with you here this morning. Should we just pray for Pastor Mark and Nina and the whole team over at Murrayfield? It's a significant day that's happening in the life of our church. And what we do in this room has, as Kent said, eternal consequences and prayers don't have boundaries. So let's just pray for them over at Murrayfield as they receive the vision this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our senior pastors. Thank you that you have given them a vision for our church and for us this year. We pray, Lord God, that as they're over at Murrayfield and as they're speaking the vision right now, that the hand of God be on Pastor Mark and Pastor Nina, that the vision go forward in power and that we sense in our spirits an expectancy and an excitement for our turn next week. Let us um, be talking about it and let it be on our lips, Lord, and an expectancy in our heart as we hear what it is that you have for us this year in 2021. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Mark has actually asked me to go to all the different locations and preach this uh, message, which some of you who've got very good memories may remember was from a very long time ago. Um, But he's actually asked me to bring it to you fresh again because of what Vision Sunday is coming next week, which I really want to tell you, but I won't. I won't do the spoilers. Um, But this is just really going to help, I suppose, set a platform and come before and after what is going to be said. And something that Pastor Mark felt was needed for the heart of our church at this time is it's my honor to bring that to you this morning. And I've entitled my message this morning, Not Just Another Brick in the Wall. Now, for all of you who are over 40, you may kind of hear the slight Pink Floyd reference or Blair under 40, but you just like good music. Uh, Then you may have that reference. So... But we'll skip right on over that. And uh, basically, this morning, I'm going to talk to you about serving. And my job this morning is not to browbeat you into serving. It's not to guilt you into serving. It's not to convince you of the need that you uh, need to serve in church. It's just to present you with what the Bible says and what the heart of God is around it. And then the Holy Spirit does his stuff, and then it's up to you and the Holy Spirit what you do with that. So this morning, I don't want you to feel any pressure. There's certainly no pressure coming from me or Pastor Mark or the church, but it is interesting for us to come around Scripture and see what Scripture says around serving and and the privilege that it is. So we're taking our lead this morning from two key Scriptures. The first is this. It's in Philippians 3 verse 12, and this really is kind of the key thought of Pastor Mark around serving, which is why I wanted to start with it today. It says this, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And if you've been around Immersed Church any length of time, you'll have heard Pastor Mark talk about your that. It's part of our grammatically incorrect language, but we know what it means when we're talking about our that, our Jesus taking hold of us for our that. And each one of us has a that that Jesus took hold of us for, and we're going to explore what that could be and how that may look in just a moment. But I want to just start off by saying this morning that for those of you that already do serve and you found your that within church, there is no feeling like it on the planet. There is no feeling And no greater honor, I think, than finding your that, finding your fit, finding the place that heaven has for you in the church home that Jesus has placed you in 
to grow and partnering with Jesus weekly to build his church and extend the kingdom of God. And if we see it through those eyes, it's a very different thing than, I need some help and there's some spaces and gaps on a roster. It's not that. It's the fact that there is a that. There is something which Jesus took hold of us for. And the opportunity is given to us, each of us, to outwork that in some way in the local church, in the part of the corner of the world that God has placed us in to extend the kingdom of God. Not so that we build our own kingdom, but so that the kingdom of God is established on the earth and so that lost people can be found and people can come in and hear the good news and say yes to Jesus for the very first time. That's why we do what we do. And this morning, I want to, us to center around this great piece of scripture in 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 10. And I'm going to read it to you, and it'll be up on the screens for you as well. Peter says this, As you come to him, that's Jesus, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Peter's talking about how Jesus is, is the first and the last, and yet for some people, Jesus being who he is becomes the thing that they trip over. They can't get past him. And you'll find that all the time in our culture at the moment. People are quite okay with God and spirituality. When we talk about the person of Jesus, that's when people start to have a problem. That's just the nature of Jesus. He is wonderful and glorious, and yet at the same time, people stumble over him because they don't like who he was and what he said and what he stood for. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. You belong to Jesus this morning. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I just want you to close your eyes just for a moment and just think about the mercy that you've received this morning, how good that is. That once the Bible says we weren't even a people, we didn't even count, but yet God has called us and chosen us and made us count. And the mercy that we've received is so good. Amen. Amen. Well, in this piece of scripture, there's three big ideas that we're going to center our time around this morning. The first is that when you find your that, when you are finding your place within church, that you are going to be made into a spiritual home. The second thought is that we're now part of a holy priesthood. And that doorway through to all of those things is through something that Peter calls spiritual sacrifice. And I'm really comfortable with this imagery of stones and being built together because where I'm from, my homeland in the north of England is lots of rolling hills and it's very beautiful. And um, on those rolling hills, you'll see um, something like this. If you can just throw up that first image of a dry stone wall. There it is. That's a beautiful, look at those rolling hills. It's very nice. So 
it's very poetic. If you're a 15-year-old heartbroken girl, which obviously I never was, but had I been at some point, I just used to like wander on the hills, feeling like I was in some sort of Jane Eyre novel with like the wind whipping my hair and just being all moody and like, oh, I shall cry into the lake of my emotion and all that kind of stuff. And so when I was doing that, you would see lots of these walls. And what's amazing about these walls is that they're called dry stone walls. You'll see them all over in the UK and in different places as well. But there's no foundation to them. There's no, um, there's no kind of dug foundation. There's also no mortar or cement holding them together. They're literally just stones skillfully stacked together that then make the boundary wall. And they need to be that way because the hills really are rolling. Like they go, you know, they're very high and it's good workout for your legs when you're doing your teenage angst up and down the hills and all that kind of stuff. And so they, they have these walls which are there but they're not, they were built by master builders, people who really knew what they were doing because they had to fit things together so that the wall would not fall down. And some of these walls are hundreds and hundreds of years old and are still standing and are still up there. Now, that's pretty amazing. What I find interesting is that the language that Peter uses in this passage of Scripture is all to do with stones and being built together. And that's because that would have been something very familiar to him. In the whole of Peter's lifetime, he would have seen the temple being built. And he would have seen that every time that he went up to Jerusalem, he would have seen the temple being built. And um, it was like a generational lifetime worth of work. And they still now can't work out how they did some parts of it because the stones are so big. And those of you that have been to Jerusalem um, would see that the stones are enormous and they don't know how they got them there. And they're not held in with cement either. They're just stacked very skillfully together. And that's kind of where the wailing wall is. And, you know, people put their little prayers in because there's no more to that. There's nothing holding them. It's just the weight and the, the way that they constructed it. And so that's the imagery that Peter would have had in his mind as he's writing this of these stones that are being built together. Same sort of imagery. And the first thing that he says about this is that when we find our that, when we are finding our place within the family of God, within the context of the kingdom of God here on earth in emerged church, he says that we're going to be built into a spiritual home. The language used there is actually a little bit closer to family. And I love that because families are really messy. I don't know about yours. Yours might be perfect at home. But my family and my home um, it's often very messy. I really enjoy hosting a life group because it means that at least every two weeks, my house gets clean and mopped and has, <laughs> sorry, mum, I'm very bad at that. Um, but at least every two weeks, it gets a good clean and a sweep and a mop and everything gets kind of tidied up. Because our homes, we live in them. They're not show homes. They're messy. They're, they're part, that's just part of life. There's, you know, mugs in the sink and there's things on the table and there's keys in different places. And then the people that live in them are messy, maybe a little bit more messy if you've got teenagers in the house, but messy in terms of we're not perfect people and neither are we supposed to be. We're obviously trying to be more and more like Jesus, but we've all got our stuff that we're working through. And Peter uses this imagery that we're being built into a spiritual house, a spiritual home. That it, you don't have to be perfect to belong in church. And who's very grateful for that? You, you'll often find when you're talking to somebody who's never experienced church like we have, that they'll say something like, oh, I could never come to church. I need to sort my life out before I come to church. And I think it's one of the biggest 
lies that the enemy has sown in our culture that somehow you need to be perfect before you can come to church. And how many of you this morning are so glad that you can come to church and you can come to Jesus and be as messed up as you've ever been and that's the perfect time for you to be there. And even that when you are a Christian, sometimes we can still fall into that thinking of, oh, well, life's going really badly. I've not done my quiet time this week and, you know, things are just really bad. And then we feel like, oh, I can't, I shouldn't go to church. I don't want to be in church because, and that's just such a lie from the enemy. Church is always the best place to be even more so when life is messy and difficult because it's a spiritual home. It's not a show home. And if you've been in church any length of time, you will know it's not a show home. It's just not. We're all, all of us, a little bit messed up in some way or another. None of us are perfect. We're all trying to work together. But a home is where you can be yourself. When I go and visit the show homes, it's one of my favorite pastimes is just to go and look around homes that I can never afford. And I just wander around in the beauty of it all. But when I'm there, I don't go to the fridge and, you know, make myself a cup of tea and take my shoes off and throw my hair up and find what I want on the channel. Because that's, it's the show home. It's not, it's not there for living in. But when I'm in my home, I do not like, look like this. Uh, I can tell you now, at one o'clock this afternoon, I will not look like this. I will have my comfy shoes on. I will have my daggy sweats on. And I will be comfortable on the sofa with my smelly dog trying to lick my feet. That's what one o'clock will look like in my home because it's a home it's meant to be lived in and in a spiritual home you can be yourself you can be accepted and celebrated for who you are your weaknesses can be covered and shored up by others and you can be known and loved for who you are and not what you do and that's really important when we talk about serving because sometimes particularly if you've been in church a while, you may have been hurt or burnt out in serving. And sometimes that happens because there's a sense of, oh, the church only just wants me for what I can do. No, 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 not in this church. It's part of you working out who you are in Christ Jesus. And so we want you to help you do that, not so that we can just get something out of you because there's a, a space and a roster that needs filling, but because it's part of you working out who you are are in Christ in this context. And that's the imagery that Peter uses, that it's a spiritual home. It's a family. And these master builders that built the rolling hill walls that we see in the UK, they take into consideration the property of every stone that is placed. And they place it among stones that are going to complement it. It's not the same as if you were building something like a house that we do now with bricks. If we look at this, it's, it's standard, it's uniform. Every brick on the pile that I went to Bunnings and looked at yesterday looked just like this. There was no individuality. I didn't pick this one because it was just amazing and I was like, oh, you're so special. No, it was just exactly the same as every other brick. And often when we think about serving in church, we can come to it with this sort of attitude that I just need to find my fit. I just need to find my that. And, and that means having all my edges knocked off and becoming standard and uniform. And it's the total opposite of that. It's the total opposite. This is not what you're called to be in the kingdom of God. This is what we look like. All knobbly and weird. <laughs> all strange with weird little dimples and 
just weird and bumps and bruises and different things. That's how we come to the kingdom of God. And in that, we're not trying to get you from this to a brick. That's not what we're doing. That's not what the kingdom of God asks us to do when we are helping you find your that. We're not here to make you standardized. We're here to help you find your that. And when the builders are building the walls, they look at the individual properties of the stone. And often they'll have a really big pile. I've seen some of them be repaired sometimes. And they'll have a really big pile of stones to the side. And it's not like they just throw the stones on and just hope that it works. They take it and they place it and they turn it and they see if it can bear the weight and see if it works. And if it doesn't, then they don't throw the stone away and go, you're such a rubbish stone. How rubbish are you? You're good for nothing. You're just a really weird shape. No, they put it back on the pile, knowing that there's nothing wrong with the stone. It's just not the place where it is meant to fit. It's just not, it's that. It's just not the right place for it. And I really felt this morning to talk specifically to people who you've served in church before and you felt like you needed to be this. You felt like you, you were being, all your individuality squashed out of you. Everything that makes you you just knocked off so that you can be uniform and it can be built quickly. And I want to let you know this morning that in our church, we're going to treat you like this. Now, that, what that might mean is, is that there isn't currently a team for you to serve on because it's not been created yet because you're unique and wonderful and we've just not gotten that far yet. What that doesn't mean is we're going to throw you on a pile and just ignore you. No, we're going to work and we're going to try and find this out. When I preached this a few years ago, we didn't have a photography team. There was no photography team. Oh, there were a couple of people who were amazing at photographing, but there was no team. And so we talked about we would really like a photography team because... It's just really nice to see the story of our church and to see people and all that kind of stuff. And as we grow in locations, it's an important thing. And that was part of, there were people in our church who were amazing photographers who'd never yet brought their gift to the table and were able to outwork that. Now, that wasn't their fault. That was just the fact that we hadn't worked out that that was a team that we needed yet. And so maybe that's you this morning. And if you feel like we're trying to squash you into a brick shape, I want to just allay that fear this morning and say, no, we love you for the lumpy, bumpy, weird-shaped stone that you are. And we're going to work together to help you find that place, to help you outwork your that. Because you don't have to be perfect in this spiritual home. It's a family. And sometimes things take time, and that's okay. What else I love about this stone analogy is just the different types of stones that are used. And if you could put that up on the screen for me, Marie, with the labels. This is really important because sometimes we, um, we devalue. It's just the nature of things that we value some things and we devalue other things when it comes to serving in church. But I want you to think about it like this. Oh, if you can just, sorry, I'll come over here. There we go that there's different sorts of stones. There's the cornerstone. None of us get to be the cornerstone. That's Jesus. He's already bagsied that. That is his place, and none of us are going to take that. So you can't have that one if that's what you were wanting. Sorry, that one's taken. He is the cornerstone. He's what we build on. If we're not building on Jesus, then we're not building in the right place. So everything that we do is built on Jesus. Then there's just regular stones. Just 
normal, every day, that's what they do. Then there's these things called tie stones, and you can see that it goes all the way through, kind of front to back. And those are people who are what we call weight bearers, where they're just able to carry a lot. They're able to carry a load. Their capacity is such that you want to put them in the middle of some things because they bring strength and stability to what's underneath, and then they bring strength and stability to what's on the top. And our church is built on people who are tie stones. We need people like you. Then, it's possibly my favorite, is hearting stones. And I love that because it's, I don't know if you can even see, it's a tiny, tiny little stone that looks like it's doing absolutely nothing. It looks like if you took that out, nothing else, like you'd be like, well, it doesn't matter. That's just a tiny little stone. And you can't even see it from the front or the back. It's only because we've got a cross section that you can see this. But that hearting stone, it grounds the whole thing. If you don't have the hearting stones that aren't seen, then the rest of it doesn't work. And I love that because it's just a picture. You know how in the Bible it talks about, you know, eyes and feet and, you know, one of us wants to be an eye, but if we were all eyes, that would be really weird and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of the same imagery here. The hearting stone, it looks like so small, so insignificant. It looks like it just doesn't, if you took it out, nobody would notice, but it's bringing something to the whole thing. And if that hearting stone doesn't play its part, then the whole wall is lacking. And then we have the capstone. And again, you can't have that one. That's Jesus also. Peter talks about Jesus being the first and the last. He's what is the foundation, and he's the thing that caps it all off. But I show you that because so often in church, we can feel like that there's things that are better and that's just our human nature. We, we are very good at comparing that there's certain areas to serve that are more important. And there are some areas to serve that have higher stakes. That is true. So our new uh, host team, if they, if they don't host well, then our church has a difficult time growing. Because if we're really grumpy to every new person that comes through the door and we're horrible to new people, well, then they... They, they won't like the family. And so the host team is a high-stakes team. They, they really have to work hard to get that right. But they're passionate about it because they understand that every person that comes in is either a new person or church family, and they all deserve to be loved equally and to be shown the love of Jesus because we know that when you come in, some of you have had absolutely shocking weeks. And so our host team are very observant of that. They know that. They pray for you. They are wanting to steward you and look after you the very best that you can, whether this is you've come every Sunday for like the last thousand years or whether it's your first Sunday, they're here for you. That's a high stakes team. But we can sometimes look at other teams and think, oh, well, that's just not as important. But we've missed it. You might be looking at a hearting stone ministry where it looks like if you could take that out, nothing would suffer on a Sunday. But it's just not true. It's not true. It needs everything to work together. The things that we see, the things that we don't see, the things that we think are important, the things that we think are less important, it's all needed for us to be built together into a spiritual home. And this is why it's important that we find our that, that we find the place that God has for us in church is that it's not just about me finding my place, although that is a big benefit of it, because there's no feeling like it on earth when you find your bit to part, your part to play. But when you are placed, when we find your unique shape, and we're like, we think you'd fit here, 
and we try it out and you're like, oh, this is it. I found my place. I love doing this. It brings life to me when I do it. When you find your that, when we place you and it feels great and you're doing it and it's wonderful, in that moment, you're bringing strength and stability to everybody underneath you that has been placed before, but you're actually just adding the next layer so that people who don't even know Jesus yet, they're out there in the community right now, they don't know that this is their year to come and find the hope that we have, and they need you to find your place so that when they come in, they can find their place and they can add the next layer. So it's not just about us, it's about everybody else outside that is going to come in this year that needs to find their place too. The second thing that Peter tells us about this is that we are a holy priesthood. Now, if you're new to church, that might sound really weird and you're like, where have I come to? I'm a holy priesthood. Do I get a hat and a cape? Like, is there a pay rise with this? Do I get special member privileges? It sounds a bit strange. But really, all it means is that we're chosen and set apart for service. That's what Peter's talking about here. The priesthood was set up by Moses formerly in the desert, and their, um, their jobs were around the tabernacle, which is a fancy name for a tent. And they had all these different jobs that they were doing to attend to where the presence of God dwelt among the people. So we're very blessed in that we have a building with bricks and mortar that we can come into, because in the, in the, back in the Old Testament, it was a tent, and that's where the presence of God was. But their jobs were to offer sacrifices, to care for the house of God, and to serve the people. And Peter's writing to people, Peter's audience knows about the priesthood. They're very familiar with this language. They understand that to be a part of the priesthood, you had to be part of a select family. You couldn't just opt into being a priesthood. It wasn't just something that you were like, I'm going to be part of the priesthood, and off you went and did it. You had to be part of a particular family. It was intense training. Most people got rejected. It was quite a political thing about, you know, who you were and all these different things. And it was a really um, highly, highly prized part of the Jewish culture, but not everybody could be part of it. And so in that context, when we understand that Peter writes to people who now believe in Jesus and says, you are to be a holy priesthood, if they were drinking coffee when they were hearing this, they would have spat it out. It would have been so shocking to them to hear that they could be part of the holy priesthood. They would have been like, no, let's just stop reading right there. There is no way that I can be part of the holy priesthood because there were so many barriers to people being part of that priesthood. And yet Peter comes and says, now because of Jesus, the way is opened up. You are a holy priesthood. It's a stunning thought for everybody that's hearing it that they, because of Jesus, are now set apart for service that they can belong to a spiritual home that can come and bring spiritual sacrifices. They're hearing for the first time that everybody now is part of the special family, that everybody is able to belong to a spiritual home, that everybody can play a part in serving the people of God and looking after God's house. They would have lost their minds at hearing this. It would have been the best news they'd ever heard. 
because something that was off limits had now been brought to them and said, you can now be part of this. Let me tell you, they would have signed up so flipping quick. They would have been like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that I get to do this. I can now be part of the holy priesthood. And that invitation is extended to us in Jesus, that all of us are now chosen. All of us are set apart for service. And when the the priesthood was set up, we often think about, you know, the really, the important job, like being the high priest. But the priesthood was a lot of people. And so it involved a lot of different things. Some of them glamorous, some not so glamorous. Lots of it, lots of cleaning. Lots and lots of cleaning. There's lots of blood, like Kent said earlier. So there's a lot of cleaning up involved. There's lots of animals. When it was sacrifice time, there were a lot of animals. Wherever the animals, there is poo. Lots of cleaning up for them to do. But they would have been so honored to be part of that because it was part of the holy priesthood. Didn't matter if it was the important job or the menial job. It was all the priesthood to them. It was all part of being able to serve in God's house and steward the people of God. And so... I want to talk to you this morning about some jobs that are available at church in that sense. Things that are part of us being the holy priesthood. Things that are available to us now that we are part of God's chosen family. Now that we've been brought close because of Jesus and we can now express our gifting within church. Here's some of the things that need people right now. We need youth leaders. Young adult leaders, junior youth leaders, kids team leaders and helpers, host team, deacons team, musicians, singers, sound technicians, lighting technicians, camera operators, media operators. Maria, we love you. You do such a good job. Church online team, cafe team. Steve, there you go, mate. Just shout out for you. Writers, dancers, photographers, videographers, video editors. Social media, graphic designers, web designers, life group leaders, life group hosts, events team, prayer team, building maintenance, events construction, and and I could add another 50 things on there because there's so much that needs doing in the house of God. There's so much that needs doing. And it's our joy and our privilege to serve. Peter calls it a spiritual sacrifice find it interesting that he uses that language because that's the doorway. That's the entry point into being a spiritual home, into being a holy priesthood. And this is the bit that if I didn't talk about this bit, then I would be being disingenuous with you. So I'm not trying to do a bait switch here where I'm like, serving in church is awesome, but then we shove you in the kids' ministry and never see you for 50 years. And you like come out and you're like, oh, what happened? I just said that I was going to serve for one Sunday and now I'm 80 years old. Like, I promise you, we're not about doing that to you. But if I didn't talk to you about the spiritual sacrifice part, then when you do say yes and you do sign up to serve and you do find your fit, and then when the cost does come, then you're going to be like, well, Julie, you didn't talk to me about any of this, so I need to talk to you about it now. It is a spiritual sacrifice. And in our instant society, where things are very quick and often very painless, Some things only come through time spent and sacrifice offered, and there is a cost. 
Our society is so used to instant things now. I was waiting for something in the microwave, and it was a minute and a half. <laughs> I felt very convicted by the Holy Spirit on this. So I stood there. I was like, I can wait. I waited 15 seconds, and I was like, Ugh, I can't wait. And I went off, and I did something else. Because I'm so used to things being in 15-second increments, 30 seconds. A minute feels like a long time now, because our attention spans have been systematically trained to be shorter and shorter. And so we're used to things being really instant. We're used to things being really quick. We're used to that nice payoff. We're used to things being painless. That's why cards and credit cards are really good because you don't, you don't feel the pain of handing money over. There was a time when me and Neil went totally back to cash and we saved so much because for me, it's really painful to hand cash over to somebody. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm like taking it out of my hand. But if you just tap a card, that's really painless. You don't feel it because it's all invisible. We're used to things being quick and painless in our society. And serving sometimes is the opposite of that. It's slow and sometimes it's a sacrifice. There is a cost. The cost is your time. Probably our most precious commodity that we have. It takes time to train. It takes time to learn. It takes time to know the ropes, find out your team how to do things. Sometimes there's a real big learning curve on how you do something. Something like sound and lighting, that's a big learning curve. It's worth it, but it's a big learning curve. There is a personal sacrifice involved every time we serve. But I find it interesting that Peter talks about this because it's a sacrifice that is acceptable to God. It's a sacrifice that God is okay with us giving. And that's the way that God set up his home his home here on earth, the expression of it in the church, is that it's a part that's integral to our discipleship journey. It's how we find our belonging together. And sometimes some of us are feeling frustrated because we feel like we're not spiritually growing. But this is the piece of the puzzle that we've not yet clicked in yet. We're doing lots of other different things. But if you've not yet somehow clicked into a part of serving in church in some capacity, then you're missing a, a dimension of grace that is only available to you as you serve. Because in serving, you're going to be with people. People are messy, just like you are. You have to learn how to get on with different people. There's some sacrifice involved. You have to get up early. You have to stay late sometimes. A sacrifice for your kids. They have to come early or stay late. That's why whenever we do our big parties, for our server teams, we always invite the kids because we want to honor the children that actually they sacrifice as well. And we want to make sure that they love their mums and dads serving in church because, you know, a couple of times a year they get massively treated. They, they understand that there is a cost, but there's also, you know, it's a good thing for their mum and dad to serve in church. Spiritual sacrifice is what Jesus did and what he modeled and how he lived and so it's a cost that's acceptable to God because it's a cost that Jesus said, I'm happy to pay this price. I'm happy to model how to do this. I should be having my feet washed, but I'm going to come and wash your feet instead. I'm going to model this kind of spiritual sacrifice where it doesn't matter about the praise and the accolade that I should get. I'm going to show what it looks like to live and serve and love people the way that God wants them to be. And here's the amazing thing is that we were once dead, those of us that are Christians now, 
but now we're alive. And Jesus has in mind for us, in our spiritual home, a place for us to be. That there's other people on the other side of our obedience. And that as we find our that, as we find our fit, as we take our place, as we work it out, as we get to where we need to be, that there's other people that are able to say their first yes to Jesus because of what we're doing. And we talk about this with our teams all the time because that's, that's it. That's the motivation. That's why we do what we do. That's why somebody comes in and opens up and turns the lights on because at the end of the day, somebody needs to know that Jesus loves them and what we do plays a small part in getting that message to them. I wonder if I could have the band back up. Jesus is our cornerstone. He's also our capstone. And this morning, if you've never said yes to Jesus in this way, in the way to serve, then he is calling you this morning. He's putting it before you and saying, will you follow me? Will you live by the example that I gave you? Will you be part of the spiritual home? Will you say yes to being part of the holy priesthood? Will you count the cost and decide that the cost and the sacrifice is worth it because of who is on the other side of that? If that's you this morning... I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with this message? I'm not going to presume that I have the answer to how that works out for you. There might have been something upon the screen that you thought, I can do that. Or there might be something that wasn't upon the screen that you thought, Julie, I'd really love to do this. We want to start that conversation with you, but you need to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with the message this morning? How do you want me to outwork it? Because if I convince you into it, then you can convince yourself out of it. But if Jesus asks you and the Holy Spirit says, it's time to do this, we've been putting this off, or I want you to step out in this area, or I want you to think about doing this, or I want you to talk to that person, then if you're being obedient to Jesus, that's all we're asking this morning. So I wonder if you'd close your eyes with me. And just pause for a moment in the presence of God. And ask the Holy Spirit this morning, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? If you're watching online this morning, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with this message? Jesus, we thank you for your word, that it's living and active. I pray for every person in the room and watching online this morning. That Holy Spirit, you'll help them to know what to do. That you'll give them the courage to have quick obedience this morning. That they'll count the cost and start their spiritual sacrifice. That they will, with joy, step into their part of being the holy priesthood. That you'll build us together as you already are into the spiritual home that you have for us here. 
and that you'll help us, Lord Jesus, to take our next step. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about two things, two things that you can do. If you've never said yes to Jesus, maybe you're here this morning in the room or you're watching online and you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never been part of a spiritual home. You've never yet understood that Jesus loves you so deeply and he wants you to be part of his family so much so that he gave up his own life for you. Then we'd love to help you with that. We'd love to pray with you if that's you. The second thing is that if you want to do something, there's two things you can do. You can head to the Sign Up to Serve banner at the back and that'll be here for the whole month of February and a couple of weeks more for us here at Warner. And just go and have a talk. We'd love to start the conversation with you. Or if you're online, you can go to immersechurch.life, click the next steps and let us know that you're interested. It might be that we need to find some ways to help you fit. It might not be that there's an easy fit straight away for us. We're not worried by that. We're not stressed by that. We're going to help take the time to work out what your that is and how we help you work that out. So let me pray for you as we finish our service. Thank you, Father, for our time together this morning. Thank you that you've been here. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you help us to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen.